1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything Podcast. My name is Emmett Mann. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And on YouTube, like, thumbs up, do a lot of fun stuff. Joining me today. We are in draft time, people. We are just a few days away, so I brought on a draft expert, Richard Stamen at MadsDraft on Twitter, MadsDraft.com. You can find his work. He's doing previews, scouting reports, and all the prospects that are going to be picked in the NBA draft. Sir, how are you?
2: Hey, I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to talk some uh, Raptors draft prospects. The second round's always my favorite part, so I'm looking forward to
1: it. That's where all the steals happen, right? Um, Actually, just before we get going to that, because we did see the NBA Finals last night, um, what are your thoughts on the game? Because it was, I mean, it's a surprising outcome, at least to some degree for me, with how uh, Celtics kind of collapsed once again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, you know... (laughs) That first quarter uh, was really dominant. Boston couldn't score, and uh, the Warriors just kind of put them away. I mean, they, they had it – really, they let them back in in the third quarter. I was blown away how the Celtics took the lead. And yeah. uh, by the fourth quarter, I, I mean, uh, you look up, and it was a 10-point game. So it's just classic Warriors. to get hot, cool off for a second. Oddly, not the third quarter that we're used to. Uh, mm. But then they just close them right back out in fourth quarter. It's just complete dominance.
1: I love how after the game, after game four, the narrative was Steph doesn't have enough help. And then in this game, Steph didn't have to do a lot because Wiggins and Jordan Poole did his job and Klay Thompson was there. And Draymond Green actually scored a few points and he had his like typical eight, eight and eight kind of line. So uh, very impressive performance from them. We'll see how game six goes. But I, I would imagine that we're going to head back to a, a game seven because Boston's just too good. They're not going to go that quietly. Although I did have Warriors in six. But after seeing the series, I'm like, yeah, this is probably going to go seven. <laughs>
2: I don't think it goes to seven. I think Warriors actually close it out on oh, yeah. Game Six. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident. I don't I don't know how Boston's gonna come back from that.
1: Hmm. We shall see. Exciting, uh, exciting finals because you look at the Celtics and they're a team, I mean, as a Raptor fan, we have our feelings towards the Boston Celtics, but they are a team that's kind of done it the right way. You know, you draft your, your players, you develop them, you add pieces around them, you fail, you get back up. And here they are in the NBA finals. It'd be a great story for a lot of NBA franchises if they were able to you know pull this off um, against the Warriors, but it's not looking great. However, as we talk about the NBA draft, and that's what a lot of teams looking to do. They want to find ways to continue to build towards the championship. And the Raptors, here they are with the thirty uh, third pick. Um, it's it's with the Raptors. It's funny is that you feel like something big is going to come because they are they have like a really good history of um, finding these gems in the second round. And as Masai Ujiri said the other, well, I guess a few months ago when the season ended, he said that. When it comes to their 6A vision or 6-9 vision, if we can find them, we will develop them. And that makes you think that, OK, so even if a player isn't necessarily there, if they have the athleticism, if they have the height, if they have the wingspan, chances are the Raptors are going to be willing to at least invest in them and put them into the development system and off they go. So with that in mind, um, I guess your thoughts on their first season um, under this new 6A, 6-9 vision.
2: Yeah, uh, it, just the season as a whole, like just with what the Raptors did. Uh, their offense, well, first of all, I'll, I'll just talk about Scotty Barnes, like how much of a hit that was. I, I oh, really thought fine. it was... Yeah,
1: let's start there. That's good. Let's start positive. Yeah,
2: I thought it was a little <laughs> bit odd not to take Jalen Suggs. Uh, obviously, knowing what we know now makes actually yeah. perfect sense how he was horrible in their workouts. And honestly, he wasn't very good in, uh, in Orlando this year on offense. Great defender, but mm. Scotty Barnes, uh, you know, I think he might have been the right pick. Uh, just a little bit of a hot take, but uh, <laughs> no, I love what he brought to the table. And I think as the Raptors continue to fill out their kind of roster and, and just kind of make adjustments, uh, that they're going to be a team where Scotty Barnes could be one of the top guys on the team and just the ultimate connector piece really liked what they brought, what he had. But what really concerned me was just the, the offense. It's felt like so many times I saw it yeah. just go missing. Um, they were a team carried by their defense for most of the year, I would say. And they need significant offensive improvements. I mean, just looking at mm. their efficiency ranks, I was blown away to see by how low they ranked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And there, the, the lack of shooting was a problem all season. It was partly by design because I, mem- I remember throughout the NBA trade deadline and it was becoming increasingly clear that they had to get some kind of shooter to add in some more depth there. And they didn't do it because they felt like we want Pascal and, and, and precious and OG and even Scotty to some degree to take those shots because of the nature of the year. But here we are with this season. Uh, heading into 2022 2023 and obviously expectations should be a little bit differently because you see the weaknesses and you have to you know address them and they are so close to being very very good um, especially with their defense and the length that they that they have and the way they're able to defend a lot of different teams in a lot of different ways so I'm curious what they do with this 33rd pick Bobby Webster said when they made the uh, trade for that young but they don't really see a lot of difference between the 20th pick and the 33rd which people are just like oh wow that's Interesting, but then you look at the draft, you're like, wait, this is a pretty good draft. What are your thoughts on the draft?
2: Yeah, I think it's weak in terms of star power, but you're gonna get a lot of chances to find role players. I agree. Yeah, I really think the drop off starts at 12, I would say 12 to like 45. There's just not a major difference. You look at the 12th guy and like the 40th guy, 45th, I get an avenue to success. I, I think that not only are the chances to that on that avenue pretty equal or Mm -hmm. similar at least, but also the ceilings aren't that different. So, uh, I, I, I think this is a good year to have pretty much 20 through 40 yeah, and not the best year to be in that, you know, 19 to like eight range. I, I wouldn't want to be there.
1: Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a weird draft in the sense that you will probably find more players who are going to be still in the NBA between the 20 to 40 range, but they may not be like stars. They're going to be role players, but they're going to have good NBA careers. And so for the Raptors, they decided to make that choice. And now we are with the 33rd pick. So let's start really strong with this one. Factoring in what you think other teams are going to do, factoring in what you think the Raptors need from a weaknesses perspective, who do you think they're going to get with the 33rd pick?
2: I think it's Jalen Williams from Arkansas, Uh, Mm. not to get your hopes up, but with the Jalen Williams from Santa Clara that won the combine and solidified himself as a top 20 pick. But Jalen Williams from Arkansas is the guy who I I think he fits the bill. He's 6'10", but doesn't have super long arms, only like a 7'1 wingspan, 7'2", something like that but very just strong IQ defender knows how to play. Uh, I think actually one of the best traits about him, he's not an above the rim rim protector where he's not going to be blocking dunks. He's not going to be blocking a ton of shots, but he alters a ton and, one weird little thing you don't hear about this much, but I, I I know this is a Toronto podcast, like there's this'll get a lot of love, but Jalen Williams loves taking charges. I know there's a famous Raptor that loved doing that too, and in a form that is kind of rim protection in a way, because you're just taking yeah. away shots at the rim. And Jalen Williams does that probably better than any player in this class He's 6'10". But on top of that, you look at the ball skills he has, he has developed, he has chances to develop a a one dribble, you know, attack closeouts, potential to shoot. And he's a really good passer. He's just jack of all trades, master of none. And I think Toronto is almost a perfect landing spot for him.
1: The Raptors, they just need a bit more rim protection. And is he the guy? Maybe not, but another way you could go is that do you add like a seven footer or do you add another person who is going to be able to get into your system? Who's going to be able to kind of right off the get-go be a fit. And he's a, he's a name that really does pop out. Like he's got that basketball IQ on both ends of the court. Um, He's stronger than he looks. That's for sure. And the athleticism really does pop the drawing of the charges is one that I actually wrote down myself because I'm like, I mean, what more do you want? You're going to see him like get out of the uh, underneath lane and he's going to be able to take charges just like we saw the great Kyle Lowry do once upon a time. And he's just like a winning player. That's what kind of sticks out to me. And when I think of Masai Jury and what he wants, I could see him looking at Jalen Williams and having that conversation with him and just thinking that this guy's going to do whatever it takes to win games. And it's kind of a cliche thing to talk about, but you kind of see it in his game that it's just like a pedal to the metal, whatever it takes to win games, he's going to do it.
2: Yeah, and there's a reason Arkansas, I mean, they got a staff recruiting class, but I, yeah. I think if you asked Eric Musselman, their coach, who the, like, what they would rather have, like, in some regards of, like, you know, one of the, one of the many top freshmen or Jalen Williams, I think he would say Jalen Williams, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's nuts, like he he would be a contender for player of the year next year in the NCAA, like, he's gonna break out as a rookie, pretty much, and instead of having that huge NCAA breakout, he's going to do just take a jump in the NBA. I think it's almost pretty certain. I mean, you look at the flashes and I think the upside is very realistic and attainable.
1: Do you think there's a chance that he won't be there at 33?
2: (laughs) Well, I hope if Dallas keeps the pick, which I personally don't think they will, uh, I, I would love to see him there or in Orlando at 32, if they don't take Chet. Uh, But ultimately I think those are the biggest roadblocks in, in getting him there. I I think there's a very strong chance. And like I said, I mean, 20 through 40 is just a jumble like everybody's on the same tier so like of course you asked 15 different teams there's probably be tons of different guys just at that 33 spot there's probably no two teams that have the same 33rd ranked player
1: looking at his stats he averaged almost a double double 10.9 points 9.8 rebounds 2.6 assists um Field goal percentage, 46.1 and then three point percentage, which I'm sure the Raptors will uh, happily you know, tinker with and develop. He shot 23.9 percent from three, but he's a willing shooter. He's not afraid to take them, which is half the battle. He's got the confidence to do it. Um, that's a good one. There's, that's, a, that's a very good one. But if he isn't there or if maybe they decide to go a different route, who do you think are some of the other names that the Raptors could end up taking?
2: Yeah, there's there's a high upside player. There's a couple of them I actually really like that. Uh, I think one of them has become a draft darling, a draft Twitter darling. The other is somebody who everybody's soured on. I'll start with the high one, and that's Bryce McGowans out of Nebraska. 6'6", 6'7", creator, really good athlete. Mm-hmm. Has the potential to just be an all-around offensive player. His defense, really rough, has a long ways to go. Obviously, we opened this podcast with talking about the Raptors' defense. Maybe that can, you could swing that both ways. Maybe they teach him how to play because he's yeah. very raw or maybe that's a fatal flaw for them and they're like, no, we don't want to touch him. The other mm-hmm. one is John Montero from the Overtime Elite. Uh, he's yeah. somebody who, he's 19, I think. He's still very young and he's just a good guard creator for himself and others.
1: So good ones. Let me hear what you think about some of these. So Max Christie for one.
2: Yeah, I, I liked him earlier in the year. I have begun to sour on him as i watched him more and more. I would watch him take these, uh, I think his shot is slow. Catch and shoot, it's like, okay. And he has Mm -hmm. good touch, but you look at, he takes a pump fake dribbles once the defender's never out of the play because it takes so long to get in the motion. It's a clean shot. It's just very slow.
1: What about Dale and Terry?
2: I would probably take the swing on him because of the same reasoning. I said for Jalen Williams with that breakout, that would happen in college. Yeah, he's going to have a jump in the NBA. I think the jump shot is realistic. I uh, honestly, he almost has a lot of shades of, of Scotty Barnes in a way That six seven guard. Mm. I, I think they would like him
1: He reminds me a bit of a, a DeLon, Wright, but he has potential to be a little bit better because he's got that size yes. and <clears throat> the passing flashes are there, but he's willing to, he's got his head up. He's looking around for cutters and, um, I think of him as like a future, you know, 15, five and five kind of player. If he's able to figure out his scoring um, when it comes to the combine, he was first among guards in standing reach second among guards in wingspan. So that's kind of screaming Raptors right there. And he loves to run and get out in transition. That's a huge part of the Raptors identity. But um, again, it's kind of going to come down to, you know, who they decide is going to be the best fit. And also how are they evaluating the talent that they currently have? Because they got Malachi Flynn and Delano Banton is, you know when you add in more point guards and shooting guards you're kind of taking away from some of their opportunities it's kind of kind of sent a message a little bit to those two players is um do they find that they have a future with them are they a fit or are they are they not um there are some steals potentially in this draft as you talk about you know 20 to 40 pretty wide range obviously you would think that there'd be some players that maybe somehow some way because that just happens in the NBA draft if they become stars or they become like, you know, better than just role players. And there are a few names that could potentially, you know, fit that bill. Um, I'm calling this the reach and teach segment, surprising players that the Raptors might draft who, because they feel like they got a lot of upside. So um, names that stick out to you for that, sir.
2: Yeah. There's one name who I don't know what to make of this player. I think this would be the ultimate steal. I'll start at the top and that's Kendall Brown from Baylor Uh, Mm -hmm. So i I understand he did well at the combine was, I think the number one or number two athletic tester. uh, If you break it down and quantify all that stuff into a chart, uh, he would test it at the top and I love his feel for the game, love his defense. And I, I'm a big fan of his use of athleticism. He knows how to use it as a cutter. He combines all of that, especially you look at what he does off ball. He's always trying to get involved, involve other teammates I think he can pass a little bit too. And that helps a lot when he has the balls in his hands, you can trust him. Developing the jump shots, really the big thing for him though. You know, you look at, he's scared to shoot a little bit at times he's passive. Uh, And honestly though, you know, a lot of guys it's like, they won't shoot the open three. He won't shoot it unless he's wide open, which I almost appreciate because he'd rather keep swinging, especially in college, right? It's a 30 second shot clock. You have time. So keep swinging, find a better shot was kind of his mentality. Not, "Ah, I don't want to shoot. I think it's important to separate those things, but I love him as a value play. He's somebody who I've seen people put him at the end of the lottery at 14 or so, uh, and then also put him in the second round. So he is a very wide range.
1: Among the many who have a very, very wide range in this NBA draft, looking at his stats um, as I bring them up here with Baylor, um, he shot 58% and uh, 9.7 points, five rebounds, two assists, and had a, a steal as well, 34% from from three. So there are some numbers for you. I'm um, another player that kind of fits the bill, and uh, I'm curious how the Raptors decide to navigate. You know, how do you how are you deciphering between some of these players that are like very very similar, but there could be very small things that make them different. And I think they are a franchise that really values you know the conversation that they have with um, the player. You know, Dan Tolzman talked about this a few weeks ago where he felt like, you know, it's the draft workout is important, but it's also equally important to just talk to the player, understand them. That's kind of actually where Scotty Barnes really sold them. I'm sure you probably gave him a few hugs and they're just like, oh, this guy's kind of in- interesting. I didn't expect to get a hu- hug from him, but that was Scotty. And you could really sell the Raptors if you just sell them on your personality, your determination, and your willingness to do what it takes to, to win games. And, you know, Kendall Brown, he's another one that could probably uh, do that for them. Um, what about a name like Jordan Hall?
2: Jordan Hall's an interesting one. He's been rising through this pre-draft process or he's had some really good workouts. Hmm. Another one of these jumbo guards, um, I, I know it fits the, the Messiah bill. He's about six, seven. Um, the big thing for him is defensive intensity Needs to be locked in at all times. Could be an issue, though, with the team. I mean, the St. Joseph's team was never good. Uh, yeah. and, and honestly, if I had to do everything like he had to on offense, I mean, I, I I get it. Like, I understand where he's coming from and why he is so reluctant to play defense at times because he had to do everything on offense. Sure. Shot the ball well at the combine, needs to shoot it better in game. But you look at a six seven point guard who can rebound and, and just see the floor drive and kick, get to the basket. It's a really good upside play. And honestly, I would take him over... Delano Banton, I think going forward is a low key like hot take. I know Dewano is like people love, but yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think Jordan's just a little bit more likely to reach that ceiling quicker.
1: It's funny. I was looking at some uh, analysis and scouting reports on players, and for Jordan Hall, one of a person I, forget, I didn't uh, write down the the account, but they said has potential to be this year's Delano Banton, but is a better shooter. I love his jump shot, like it is very very pretty. It looks very fluid. He's able to you know he finds his footing very easily um, when it comes to pull ups and step backs and follow away jumpers. He had the ball in his hands a lot, and so he had opportunities to kind of stretch sh- his stuff a little bit. 14.7 rebounds, six assists, 36% from three. Obviously, is he able to be that kind of player compliment in a complimentary role when he's not able to have the ball in his hands all the time. Time, that's where you look at the jump shot and being able to be such a, a dynamic shooter, um, a willing shooter, a person that can kind of get the shot off pretty quickly and is able to find his footing really fast. That's someone that I thought could be really interesting. Um, were there other names that you feel like fit the reach and teach?
2: Yeah, there's one other name that I think I could see falling to the second round because um, he had a rough second half of the season, and that's Ty Ty Washington. I think when you look at mm. the context, it becomes clear why he fell in the second round before the injury. He, he injured his ankle against Auburn. And, and actually let me pull up these stats because uh, you look at what he did before. Um, and it was, it was really strong. He yeah. didn't, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find the stats. I apologize, but he was very dynamic as a playmaker was creating for others, doing one dribble pull-ups at a high level. And, uh, And afterwards, he just fell off. And and I now found the stats. But before the injury, it was 18 games, 14 points a game, four and a half assists on 50% shooting, 40% from three. After the injury, it was an ankle injury that he came back to soon form. Definitely cared a lot about winning in college basketball. And honestly, Mm -hmm. he kind of got punished by it. After the injury, which was 12 games, 11 points per game down from 14, he went to three assists per game from four and a half and the field goal percentage dropped from 50.5% to 36 and the three-point percentage dropped from 40% to 29%. So everything <sighs> nice. dropped across the board. Yeah, I think he was never 100% after that, and that's a big reason why. And teams are going to hold that against him.
1: That's a tricky one for a lot of these prospects, is that every single moment counts. And <laughs> you put yourself – you put your body on the line for your team, but then also at the same time, as a prospect, you're hurting your value as a uh, NBA Commodity. Um, that's a tough one. Interesting name. Um, looking at his stats. I don't know too much about him myself, but you can kind of see just based off some of the scouting reports here as I look at them, that there's something there for sure. Another name for you. And uh, I'm curious what you think about this big center, Ishmael Kamagati.
2: Oh, I'm a huge fan of Kamagata. He is yeah, yeah, he is a modern big uh in the way that you can't expose him on switches. Uh, he, he resembles a lot of DeAndre Aiden is the best way I would describe it. He like will occasionally do these mid range jumpers uh, Loves finishing at the rim can recover from anything on defense, massive frame, great athleticism, switchable on defense. You look at just those tools and then you hope he irons out some of the, the understanding of the game and just learns to play within schemes. I think he's an easy fix. Uh, I, I think really could be one of the bigger steals and, there's, re- I, I personally think Toronto's the best fit for him. I'd love him in Dallas. i I think yeah. I've seen a lot of Dallas fans have become massive Kamagate almost stands at this point. And <laughs> I, I just, I think about, yeah, he'd be good in Dallas, but look at Toronto, a place that has continuously turned big men that are raw. into useful players. Yeah. I would love it. I think that's his best spot.
1: Seems like he's got a great mentality too. And he's got like a nose for the ball. Um, when you think about his past and catch around the rim um, it's definitely there because of his explosiveness and um, offensive rebounding. I'm sure it's a little bit easier um, with where he's playing. It might be a little bit of a transition for him when he gets to the NBA, but the fact that he's already got a mid range jumper, you can definitely extend that to a three point range over the course of time. He is a project right? But the Raptors love projects. I said the quote to you earlier in this. If we can find them, we will develop them. He sounds like a person that the Raptors will (laughs) be willing to just find and develop and uh, spend the time trying to figure out to make them um, a capable player because you just don't find players at 6'11 with that kind of mobility very often. Very rare. Um, I'm surprised that he's so low in the draft right now.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of that just stems from him being raw and also international guys. Generally they get, I think on mock drafts and just on, online, there's a big disconnect between them and NBA teams. That's why uh, Mm. every year there's about two guys that everybody's like who and doesn't know about. And it's because the NBA teams have done their research on him, but you know, it's just hard to keep up with all the international guys. And I think that's where the disconnect stems from. I, I think he's worth a first round pick.
1: Sure. Usually, the players that are drafted, where people are just like, "Who did this guy? Where did he come from?" It's usually the Raptors that end up doing that. <laughs> they're one of the franchises. Miami Heat too. Um, they're a, they got a terrific uh, development system, so they're willing to take a flyer on a few different players. Um, other players that come to mind, I got a few names for you, but I'll let you go first.
2: Yeah, um, one one other that really stands out to me. I think this is a, a big time realistic sleeper. Is Josh Minot from Memphis? Mm-hmm. He's somebody who. From the intel I've heard teams see him as a potential Mikhail Bridges type. He's really athletic, potential to shoot the ball. That's probably his biggest weakness right now. It's just inconsistent shooting, but just lights out defender, good size, good length, and just yeah. really good athleticism. And you hope that he can learn to use it in game more and more consistently.
1: What are your thoughts on Justin Lewis?
2: I I like the idea of him.
1: Not a, huge, third,
2: yeah. not a huge, not like a very big fan of him. I don't know how much I'd trust the jump shot. And to me, yeah. that really scares me. Uh, there's a lot of movements in his shot. Obviously, great length, uses it to finish at the rim. And I think he's got defensive potential. But I, I worry about how much that jump shot's going to hold him back. I, I don't see that being a majorly successful skill in the NBA.
1: Yeah. Um, he kind of reminds me when you're looking at his profile and look at some of his college highlights, he kind of reminds me of OG a little bit. Um, and that he's got that physicality. He's a very physical driver. He gets into people. He's got these long strides. He's not necessarily like quick by any means, but he's able to get to his spots just because he's so physical. And he's able to overpower players and um, six, seven, seven, two wingspan. Um, that's a really interesting combination right there, but the, the driving and, the, or sorry, the, uh, the jump shot is definitely a concern. You want to make sure that you you're getting a player that is going to at least have the tools already to be able to be a, you know, a competent jump shooter three-point shooter especially in today's nba um that's going to be probably his hurdle that he has to figure out is is he going to be able to prove to nba franchises that he actually has a shot and he's able to use it and be a factor and not a liability especially in playoff games Um, caleb houston is a name that comes to mind because i i mean he skipped the draft combine which is really interesting in your experience why would a player skip the draft combine when they get the invite
2: Yeah, I I was shocked to see him do it because a lot of players, they'll get the first round guarantee and say, all right, let's pack the bags. It's over. Yeah. Uh, But I don't think that's what happened with him. I just I think my guess is he didn't have feel like he had anything to gain, could only lose. And being Mm. a mystery almost and just doing private workouts is um, what benefits him. I'm personally not that big on Caleb Houston. I, I think his ceiling is old vince carter uh i know that's kind of a name i probably shouldn't <laughs> say on here but you look at like he was a good player in dallas uh back in like 2013 he was running pick and rolls was a big reason like why brandon wright was big here mm. uh could shoot the ball well but outside of that he was in, he just didn't do a ton and he was just a mid-rotation player uh, yeah. i think that kind of tops that's where caleb houston tops out
1: The jump shot's very nice, very enticing, Um, but he had a very up and down year. And that's why the the skipping of the combine is so interesting is that it's kind of like you're not, if you don't go, it it sort of implies to me that you don't really trust your game almost. And that's a huge red flag. Or the other route is that you've already been guaranteed by someone that you will be drafted by them. But that seems like an an odd uh, possibility for someone in his position.
2: Yeah. And teams give out multiple guarantees. They don't go, all right, we yeah. guaranteed Caleb Houston at 20. Let's not talk to anybody else. Like that's not I mean, at all. It happens. I mean, I can tell you Desmond Bain, for example, was guaranteed by multiple teams in the twenties. They told him, Hey, we will pick you. And what yeah. happened is they didn't account for, I can't say which team it was, but they didn't account for this certain player falling that far. And yeah. them suddenly it didn't take him, and he slid to 30. And so that Mm -hmm. stuff happens all the time. It's risky to trust an NBA team to word, you know?
1: Sure. Um, I wanted to bring up Wendell Moore, but I think he's going to be gone by then. (laughs) But uh, your thoughts on him?
2: I was actually, that was going to be the last one I said too. Uh, I think his range is 20 to 35. Uh, Generally, I say 35 because I don't think he should go in the second round. I think it just varies, just very obvious. They finally got a really good team around him at Duke. And he was incredibly took a big jump. He's still young, Mm. Uh, younger. Actually, I think he's, he might be younger than Chet, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, He's very close in age. Like he wasn't even eligible for the draft as a freshman. So he turns, yeah, he turns 21 in September. So during training camp and he's a junior. So you look at the very young player who can shoot, can pass, defend a little bit, doesn't really create on ball a ton, but when he has the ball in his hands, he does see the floor. Well. And I think someone like him, he should go to Dallas. That's literally a perfect spot. Could go in any of those teams in the twenties could also see him go in the thirties just because teams are like, well, we want someone with high upside or whatever, even though I think there is a real route to him having good upside. as like potential starter.
1: Dallas could really use a few of these three and D players with um, some offensive upside. eh?
2: (laughs) Yeah. They, they have no players side tangent. They have no players above six, six or six, six or taller that are not named Luka Doncic that can create their own shots. So. Yeah, they need that. And Wendell, yeah. I think, is an even six six, maybe maybe six five, so he doesn't fall into this. But yeah. even then, nobody who plays small forward that can create on their too. Sure. So,
1: and that wingspan again, seven seven feet, seven and a half, something like that with uh, with him. Um, one more name for you before I uh, we move on, um, Marcus Bingham.
2: Uh that's a reach at thirty three. I think you can yep. get him an undrafted free agency. He he's a senior, yep. didn't put up major stats. Yeah, there's upside for him as a shot blocker and three-point shooter but i think he's going undrafted it's not because of his skill that i wouldn't take him but like i mean just looking at it realistically most teams are earn a pass on him he is a guy who could be like i mean I, i've seen what the raptors did with chris boucher why can't they do the same thing with marcus yeah. bingham they're different players but like just that you know defense three-point shooting or sorry shot blocking and three-point shooting mm. um i think could be attainable for
1: for toronto to turn around other names of note or is that kind of it for you no, I think that's it. That's it? I think I uh, okay. good amount. Um, the, the rumors around DeAndre Ayton and the, and the Raptors, not just the Raptors, there's a few different teams, but it seems like DeAndre Ayton is going to be available in some capacity because he is fed up with the Phoenix Suns franchise. Um, he just wants more for himself. He wants a max contract, and he's going to get us somewhere. Who knows where? But in the event that trade does happen, and um, this is very, very, very hypothetical because it's just rumors, but obviously this would impact how the Raptors draft. Um, It would probably take some of the centers that they're thinking about off the board. It would put an emphasis on getting some shooting because I would think that players involved in that trade would be a Gary Trent Jr. It could be an OG Ananobi. It could be a Ken Birch, some combination like that. So if that were to happen, does that change your outlook at all? on uh the raptors and who they're gonna bring in this year
2: man i i personally would not do og for aiden myself i think that's a big mistake even if those those rumors are true about him asking out and things like that Mm. uh that that's a worry that that one worries me um think you can understand parting with gary trent even though this is a team that needed shooting very badly sure um i think i would love first of all aiden on the raptors this year i think he's a very good fit what cost Depends. Like I said, I yeah. wouldn't give up OG. Um, I'd give up future picks, but sure. not, uh, I wouldn't give up any, any like of your main four best players. Probably.
1: He's definitely in there. The only re- way I see OG being traded is if it's for a player that we're just like, okay, um, thank you, OG. Bye-bye. Um, yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> it was, if, it was really nice having you.
2: If Bradley Beal is really yeah, available, yeah. you, yeah, you yeah, traded yeah. OG for him.
1: Sure. Um, but I that, that would put an emphasis on shooting talent and um, is there a person in the draft who may not have necessarily the six eight and the wingspan and stuff like that, but they could just be a knockdown shooter that you're just like, okay, we got this guy, even if it's for only like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, at the very least, we're going to know that he's going to be able to impact our team this season and then the future we'll see how it goes but next season if they were to get deandre and this player is going to be able to be serviceable off the bench
2: Ah oh, man i want to say so i have a draftable and undraftable one and i'll explain why the person is undraftable but okay um for the for the draftable player wait did you say anything sorry let me double check did you say anything about creation or just the shooting just the shooting okay perfect that's why i just wanted to double check so key on ellis out mm-hmm. of uh, Alabama is somebody who is rising up the boards right now there. He has been dominating in pre-draft workouts. Yeah. Uh, just been killing it even against first round prospects. He's been mm. one of the best players on the floor. So I'm a big believer in his game. He's skinny. Uh, and he's somebody who could come in, plays really good defense forces, turnovers, but he can shoot the lights out and he shoots the ball very well. It's the only thing he does on offense, but he will do it at a high level. The other one, the reason I say this person will get undrafted. So, um, this kid is from Europe. He wants to be in the NBA. The European like, context and stuff is tricky. This sounds like people. hustle,
1: by the way. This sounds like hustle. Have you watched that yet? <laughs> no,
2: I need to. I need to yeah. very badly. I was told yeah. it's, it's right up my alley. Um, it's, perfect.
1: it's perfect. It sounds exactly like hustle. Yeah, go on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so this kid from Europe, he plays in Italy right now. His name is Giordano Bortolani. Um, I think he's the best shooter in the draft. He, I, I'd call him the Italian Steph Curry. He's 22 years old. Uh, shot like 45% from three, 87% from the line, ridiculously quick handle and getting into the shot has all the talent in the world, but there's just some messy behind the scenes stuff that would prevent him from getting drafted. Like he's just not getting drafted. He's a top 35 player on my board. Uh, But just knowing that context makes it hard to see that. But uh, he is somebody who, if I think if Toronto aggressively pursued him and said, Hey, just come over, got in touch with him and was able to sell him. I think he's somebody who he plays right away, um, and I mean, if you just type in Mavtrap Boritali, it's B-O-R-T-A-L-I-N-A. I and think. now I'm questioning my own spelling ability, but hey <laughs> and I to end the. Uh, but no, he is. I have some. Uh, I have some videos of him that it's just mind blowing to me that uh, that he what he does. It, it's special shooting ability. And he's 22 years old. He's somebody who I could see being like, you could replace him with Gary Trent if everything goes right.
1: Wow. Or I'm like sorry. That. Other
2: way around Gary Trent with him.
1: Yeah. I got you. Giordano Bartolani. Other than that, um, I don't, I mean, I don't know too much about this player, but I would imagine if he's a good shooter in Europe with the hand check and with the physicality that they play with there, that would be a, a massive factor. Oh, he sent it to me. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, a person if he's able to do it here or in Europe, then I would imagine that translates pretty well to the NBA because of how hard it is to get your shot off there and how fast paced it is. Um, The offenses are very different versus the NBA. And so if you can do it there, I mean, there's going to be some upside. That's for sure. Ooh, these are very nice. Very (laughs) nice. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, The, (laughs) I think I know which one you're watching. I, there's a video I put out that's about a minute uh, of him and it's like 45 seconds and it's just, continuous three-point shooting in every single way you've ever drawn up and he can create his own shot i really think the talent's there it's just well the behind the scenes stuff he sorted out
1: i'm not sure what the behind the scenes stuff is i hope it's not anything really really bad because no no it's not about (laughs) it's just
2: like the messiness of the nba and and international basketball and agents and things
1: like that i got you okay um that's a good one a little little sleeper a little Hustle on the podcast. I I love it. I love it very, very much. Um, That was a good one. Okay. Last name I wanted to mention to you before we go is there is a lot of, I mean, talk at least internally um, within the Raptors fan base is Andrew Nembard because of the history he has with the Raptors franchise with Nick nurse, he's Canadian. Um, He would fit a need in some ways because they just need guard depth and Obviously, similar to some players I mentioned earlier on with that uh, Terry, for instance, is if you bring him in, that is sending a clear message to some other players in the franchise that we are kind of done with you. <laughs> but the Raptors are a franchise that prides themselves in saying that, you know what, we're going to take the best player available. doesn't matter if they're this or that. We just want the best player available and we'll work it out from there. So where do you think Andrew Nembard is, uh, is currently in the draft rankings? Because he had a great combine, at least on the, the day that he was there.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm iffy on M. have I've stuck with him in the 50s on my board. Um, and that's not my, – my big thing is just, I don't think he's going to be able to shoot. His shooting yeah. numbers improved this year, but it was very much the system. Helped a lot, just the Gonzaga personnel. Hmm. And he hid behind screens like crazy. Like Teams will go under, sure, but it's, he's not going to hit it at that rate, I don't think. And, and when teams would do go over just to force him to pass, which he's, a, I think, probably the best passer – in the draft, yeah. you still win because anytime the best outlet is a, is a pass, I feel like for the most part without a scoring option, you're probably going to struggle to stay on the floor offensively. Hmm. Don't know how good he'll be on the defensive end. That kind of remains a mystery for me. I think he's got good at basketball IQ and understanding of the game, but I just don't know how it all translates to the NBA. It's hard to be a pass – like passing is your main skill without any scoring in the NBA. That's, that's a very quick ticket out of the league.
1: Sure, because that's going to get snuffed out really, really fast, <laughs> right? Teams are going to realize that, oh, wait, let's see if he can actually finish around the rim. If he can't do it, then you're going to be in big trouble. Um, for him, 12.6 assists, 38% from three. I mean, the passing is, is great, um, but it's just like, is he gonna be able to do it at a high level in the NBA? You're not sure. You look at him and you probably think that he is probably at best a backup point guard. I don't want to put the ceiling on him, but you think that just based on his his skill set and he has like a pretty good handle, uh crossover is really good. The step back is there. Um, athleticism wise, you're not really sure if he's going to be able to do it against NBA players. That would be one of my worries, but um, someone that the Raptors really do trust, obviously they really like, and Nick Nurse has a great rapport with them. There is value to being able to have like that relationship with the player already going into it. As I mentioned earlier, the Raptors really value um, the partnership and the chemistry that they have with players, and they just feel like if they're able to develop, if they are able to just you know put their nose down and hustle, and they're going to be willing to work hard that they're going to be able to make them into something and he fits that but there are still limitations with any player right there's always going to be a limit to their upside and he you know six four wingspan isn't great um weight wise he's like you know almost 200 pounds so he's not exactly that heavy he's going to probably get pushed around a little bit there's it's a bit of a project pick and when he's at that height of six four you're just like how good is he really going to be you know
2: Yeah, I agree. And also the finishing ability scares me. Uh, He improved this year as a finisher shot about 50. It was about, it was like 55%, which is about average in college basketball. It's not bad. Um, But going back to his Florida days where he was playing a much different style, where it was more, actually just less screen oriented at Florida in a lot of ways, just one-on-one drives or use the screen, get a switch and then drive. Right. I, he was not good as a finisher, so I wonder was that real? Gonzaga found out how to hit it, things like that. And like you said, you know, he is somebody who I would not doubt in terms of intangibles and stuff. But at the end of the day, like you do need some form of scoring. Like the, at the yeah. end of the day, the scouting report matters, right? Like if you yeah. have severe weaknesses, that stuff's going to be exposed. We see this every year in the NBA. Like the NBA is, a, I mean, you got to adjust or be gone. So
1: mm-hmm. Nemhard's
2: got a tough path. I know he's risen as a first round pick. I don't agree with it. I think he 33 fine. Take the swing. I don't mind it, yeah. but I would not want to have a four-year guaranteed contract for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, someone's going to take a chance on it. I'm sure someone will, because there are teams that just need, you know, the point guard help and they need the shooting guard help the Raptors they do, but they also have their vision and other needs that they want to, uh, to figure out. And, you know, with, the NBA as a whole, it seems like when you look at the NBA finals. Now uh, the last four teams that were in the playoffs is that these, the premium of a three and D player with upside that can attack, close and shoot and has a, a bit more ability when it comes to their driving. And it's got the basketball Like you, I'm mentioning a lot of things, but those are the players that are, are at a premium now in the NBA. And there are so many players that are in that range doing 20 and 40, that a team might be like, I could maybe make him into something. And uh, that. Could, you know definitely hurt Andrew nembard but all the players that we've talked about in this podcast um, it's a very vague draft for sure because there's very little clarity and you can probably tell that you know um, the Dallas or the uh, Denver Nuggets, they just traded for the 30th pick uh, they traded um, to michael green to the thunder for the 30th pick and so you're thinking okay well why do they do that do they just want a draft pick is there someone that they are really keen on now like then you start thinking again how is this going to affect my draft because it's at 30 right? And the Raptors are at 33 there. It's very possible that they're just like, damn it. They took insert here and now you got to really scramble. So it's an interesting spot to be in for the Raptors and for all these franchises. I would imagine that, you know, with that two, two minute clock or whatever it is <laughs> when it comes between drafts of uh, draft picks, I would imagine that we're going to see a lot of them go right down to the wire because they're going to be like, Oh no, they took them. What are we going to do now?
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, just, especially just kind of circling back the jumbled nature of this draft and the big board and everything of it's just there's not many drop-offs within the Mm -hmm. tier so i think i agree with you on that
1: sir thank you so much he's richard stamen at Mavs draft on twitter Mavsdraft.com. you can find his work you can find his scouting reports um leading into the nba draft for 2022 final thoughts anything you want to mention
2: no we're single digits away uh days away excuse me from the nba draft um, honestly, if you're not into this 2022 draft, let me just be the first to tell you the 2023 draft next year. is Special. If you're like, Hey, this is boring. Fine. Next year's the FIBA U 18s are going on right now. So some mm. guys for the 2023 draft are in it. Some for 2024, really special group of talent. I can't recommend it enough. I think, uh, I think next year it's unfortunate for this year, because it's getting overshadowed by the historic year of last year and yeah. next year, lots to look forward to in the future of the NBA,
1: the lull year. It is what it is. So will be a fun, uh, fun experience for sure. All right, man, thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
3: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig.